hallelujah. You know what I, I really like about, you all can be seated, what I can really like about, you know, I just want the church to get free again. You know, so we just, we just done been, we, we done, even in non-denominational churches, we have become religious. We have become religious. We have regulated God into what we thought was a framework that he ought to function in. I was going to say what I like about that passage of scripture is that the accuser of the brethren has been cast out. Who accused us, it said, who accused us night and day before the Father. He was able to bring accusations, and most of them was true, before the Father. But now because of the blood that speaks, it has another voice. It says they're redeemed. Jesus' blood speaks for us. That's why he ever lives to make intercession. Because he can say things to the Father we don't even know how to say. He said, that's why I, got, I sent my spirit to help them. Because they don't even know what prayer they need to pray and how to offer it rightly. But I'll interpret for them, Daddy. He's sitting there saying, Father, this is what she needs today. This is what she can't get out. <laughs> this is what she can't say. I know the enemies. See, and, and what we have to understand that when the enemy was cast out, he came to earth. He can't accuse us before the Father, but he accuses us to ourselves and to one another. So he wants to constantly remind you of your failures and your past and your inabilities and what you don't know. And that's that he just works real hard in that one. And then when he can't get you looking at yourself, he gets you looking at your brother and your sister. He gets you looking at your husband, gets you looking at your children, gets you looking at your body. Just look at anybody instead of Jesus. But we rejoice today that the accuser has been cast out not only in heaven but in us. Because so as it is, if he cast out in heaven, he's cast out in earth. Oh, y'all to praise God right there. If he's cast out in heaven, he's cast out in the earth. God, I want to just say this has been a profound weekend. This has been, a, and, and, and I say that even from my own blessing and benefit, uh, to just be a part of what God so sovereignly has done in these three days. I want to express um, my heart, first of all, to the host pastors. Pastor Jake and Cindy, New Dimensions. Okay, y'all need to do better than that. Don't be selective. Don't be selective. But because we all could have missed this weekend if they didn't make the call. Perhaps we didn't know what we needed, what we were asking for. But somehow God let them articulate it and not just think about it. And I just have to say it again. That day that Pastor Jay called me weeping. I've never heard anyone extend an invitation to me weeping. Never. In all the years. And he was, he was, he was weeping and in a, a repentive mode. 
because he was saying, when I saw you in September, God spoke and told me what to do. And I procrastinated in it. He said, but I can't find no peace until I do what God told me to do. And I think even in our second communication of trying to set a date and time frame, because I was in the process of moving, relocating, and I had to ask him to give me a little more time. And, and when we talked again, he was kind of like, well, you know, we can put it on over, you know, into the spring or, or whatever. I don't really know what happened in that conversation, but almost abrupt turnaround and it's like, no, no. I don't know if he, if he felt the conviction of the Lord because I was going to do whatever he asked. But he said, no, 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 this can't be put off. It's got to be now. And so we thank you and we bless you all for allowing and, and even what God has sovereignly accomplished this weekend because of your obedience to the Lord. I bless you for that. I um, just, just want to thank God for... Uh, and you all can be seated again, and, and I don't want to make you like Jacks in the Box, but, you know, I, I said it on Friday night. My son and daughter in the Lord, some almost 30 years of relationship, and that's what, see, that's what we fail to understand. Uh, apostolic ministry is relational. I know we got all these people with titles floating all around the body of Christ, giving them a, a heart attack, like a blood clot loose in the vein. Because if you read the Bible, apostles had relationships with the churches. They weren't out looking for uh, platforms and opportunities. People calling to my, oh, I'm in town. I thought, I, you know, you need me to come preach. Or I'm going to come and preach, but you got to, you know, provide X, Y, Z. I got to know how many people you got. No, no, no. Paul had relationship. Peter had. Those, those men of God related to those churches. They were involved in their struggles. They were involved in their growth. They were involved in their care. They were, they were committed to try to keep them on course with God. It's not, a, it's not a glorious position. Some of y'all were here when I ministered in September. It's dirty work. Paul said, we the off scourge. Mm -hmm. Foundations. But their lasting works. I want to honor Apostle Harry prophetess Doreen Jones thank God for you all thank God for relationship that endures through the years and I think as I said in September y'all here because they said yes to God don't ever get it twisted the only reason y'all out in ministry now is because they paid a price they paid a price to obey God Amen. We thank God for them. I want to thank God for their beautiful daughter and son in the ministry here. Pastor Walt, Pastor Patience, amen. And are now running with the vision. Bless you all. Thank you for uh, hosting us here today. And my new son and daughter, Adonis and Tina Randolph, amen, amen. I'm just excited about this. You know, I think we, we were riding, y'all can be seated. We were riding yesterday to eat it, and I said, I'm so happy, and it ain't that kind of fleshly happiness. My spirit was happy. This was marvelous in our sight that we could see God's hand move to unite 
not just a marriage, but ministries for regional purpose. People willing to lay down their agendas and, 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 and surrender their ownership of the church back to its rightful owner to see the plan of God. I want to thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you all in every way. Thank you to all of you all, friends and family and visitors and those of you that are viewing us online that are part of this. I'm just excited. Amen. From what I understand, New Dimensions will be able to provide audio and video of this weekend at a future date. And before we depart today, that information perhaps can be uh, put on the screen so people can contact them uh, for those videos. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I feel like a, a big mama, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> a real big mama for sure we have just had an experience but I want to obey what God is saying to me now we know that um, this gathering was called under the what I want to say the covering of worship it's titled worship and that theme scripture came from the gospel of John the 23rd and 24th chapter, most of you are familiar. We've certainly heard this scripture preached multiple times in the body of Christ, Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. I want to try not to go back and repeat a lot of what was said so I can be free to say what needs to be said, but some of this needs to be connective. So you need to hear what was said to fully embrace what God is saying but for context I'll start here the gospel of John father we honor you we pray that you are pleased to dwell among us in this gathering Holy Spirit come move in the minds and the hearts of your people feel the father to them change God those things that need to be changed break through those areas that need to be broken through oh God break up fallow ground that they can receive the life that is in your word that it can produce mightily in their lives 30 60 and a hundredfold for your glory God take my tongue now make it the pen of a ready writer I'll be careful to give you praise and glory in Jesus' name the Gospel of John, chapter 4, beginning in the 23rd verse. I'm reading from the Amplified Translation. A time will come. However, indeed, it is already here. When the true, genuine worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking just such people. As these, as his worshipers. I want to just say that again. For the Father is seeking just such people. I love the way the Amplified said. He's seeking just such people. He's not seeking uh, vocally skilled, talented people. 
he makes it very clear what kind of people. He doesn't even define it with a title or a nationality or a location. I said, I'm just looking for the people who will be true worshipers. For God is a spirit. He is a spiritual being. And those who worship him, and I said this Friday night, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Otherwise, true worship only comes in spirit and in truth. I want you to just go with me, and if you can, quickly to the book of Philippians. I'm going to read just a few scriptures here in preface. Philippians chapter 3. Third verse, if you can't turn to it, jot it down, read it when you get home. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. The Apostle Paul speaking. For we are Christian, for we Christians, for we Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit. And by the spirit of God and exalt and glory and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ. My God, we could just preach that right there. We are the real circumcision. Now, I know we don't have a lot of understanding or respect for circumcision in this age, but it meant something to God. But by the time uh, this is being written, people are being sorely divided and puffed up regarding circumcision. So they're really believing that because they've endured a physical circumcision, that they are forever the seed of Abraham. But Jesus came to fulfill and feel a higher, better covenant than we had in the old covenant. And circumcision was of the old covenant. But what does he say? He says, who worship God, listen, who worship God in spirit and by the spirit of God and exalt and glory, I love it, and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ. Not in ourselves. Not in our church, not in our denomination, not in our titles, but pride ourselves in Jesus Christ and put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh. Put no confidence, no dependence on what we are in the flesh and on outward privileges and physical advantages and external appearances. Put no advantage. Or what all we think we look like, how it appears to others. Because our circumcision, go with me quickly to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, and, and I give these scriptures and read them because I want the Lord to speak. I want the Lord to speak. Romans chapter 2 and verse 29. Mm. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. <laughs> and true circumcision is of the heart, a spiritual and not a literal matter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. We could just see that right there, couldn't we? 
What God recognizes now is not all those outward appearances. God's looking at the heart. Has the foreskin of your heart been cut away? Has he taken away the stony heart and given you a heart of flesh? Does his spirit rule in your heart? That's what makes you a worshiper. Amen. Because only the Spirit of God can purify us. God, I could just see only God's Spirit can purify us. I, I, I just y'all gonna let me be free this morning. See, because when I stand there, I don't ever want y'all to get uh, 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 moved by what this outer appearance. Because see, you're looking at a woman at the well. You're looking at the woman who has been multiply married. You're looking at the woman who has shacked up with somebody that she wasn't married to, birthed babies for somebody that she wasn't married to. You're looking at a woman that was entangled in prostitution and pornography. Don't get twisted about what you see. What you see here is the work of Jesus Christ. You see here true circumcision. You see, the power of God to cut away the darkness. See, you know, most people just want to be proud of their titles and accomplishments. But when you really know Jesus, you boast in what Jesus See, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it's the power of God. The power of God to cut through my perversions and my darkness and my ignorance and my sickness. It takes the Holy Spirit. God, help me right now. I want to get this out. But this church of Jesus Christ today is void of his Holy Spirit. We're too capable in our humanism. People are not laboring in his presence anymore. People are not crying out as the Bible said, be ye being filled. Otherwise, I can't go on what I got at the altar when I first got saved. I can't go on even what we've enjoyed this weekend. I got to be back in his presence crying out again. Holy Spirit, search me, try me, see what hurtful ways are in me. Then leave me in the past everlasting. Heal me from this bad attitude. Heal me from unforgiveness. Heal me from a desire to gossip or judge. You understand? See, we're, we're too perfect on our own. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I hear you, uh, uh, Apostle, and the danger, and I would say even, yes, for me at, at 75, the worst thing we got is old saints sitting up not willing to grow. Thinking because you've been in the church 20 years and you know three or four scriptures that you are right. And all you want to do is point your finger at somebody else so you can feel good about you. You can't never get satisfied with your flesh. You can't never think that you can function rightly in the kingdom without the spirit of God. Without the spirit of God. The Spirit purifies us. The, the, the Spirit sanctifies us and sets us apart for God. God's Word is Spirit, so it divides the soul from the Spirit, the bone and the marrow, and goes on down and discerns the very thoughts and the intents of our heart where true circumcision is. That two-edged sword cuts. It cuts. Circumcision is to cut away 
what has the potential to make impure? That ain't what I'm preaching this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has always wanted more from his people than external ritual, religion, and routine. He never, that he, those were types and shadows of something better to come. He didn't want us to get stuck in that. There was something better coming because he had more that he desired. God wanted relationship back. We go back from this. God wanted relationship restored. And we have to stop and look at all this stuff we're doing right now and say, why are we doing so much and people are sicker and more separated from God than ever? How can the church operate with so much sin and dysfunction and say we redeemed? Something's wrong with that picture. Something's wrong with that picture. And, you know, God was so involved and so, so intentional uh, in his desire to bring men back. He gave his only begotten son. And when his son came, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Okay? There's no other way but my way. There's no other truth but me. And there's no life apart from me. Amen. This is this. We got to go back to the book, Apostle. He said, I'm the way. You want to know the way? You don't know. You know, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're here for. I'm the way. I can. You listen. It's like you out here wandering around in the middle of the street, don't know whether to go left or right. And somebody come up and say, come on, honey. I'm the way. Come on, come on. Come on. I know the way. I know the way. That's what Jesus said. I, I can get you back to I can get you back to the Father. I can, I, I can get you back to the Father. I can, I can, I can cancel those lies in your life because I'm the truth you need. And everything that was deemed for your death, I can give you life now. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. So he sent his son to give us the way, the truth, and the light. Yet man has still desired ignorance above knowledge. And man has rejected God's holy call, <laughs> God's holy purpose, and God's holy presence. We, we, we don't want his presence no more. We, we, most people go into church to see if I can get a word, see if somebody can pray for me, see if I can find me a mate. Just satisfying ourselves, not, not, not really looking for him. Amen. And because his heart desire is to bring us back to fellowship. When Jesus was speaking to this woman at the well, Jesus' words to her was what we just read. It's not just that you seeking, the Father is seeking too. See, the, 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 the evidence of your maturity is not that you just keep looking for what God can do for you. You start looking for what you can do for God. You're no longer just satisfied with, you know, God going to do this and God going to do What you going to do? What you going to do? When you going to be satisfied with making the Father satisfied? When, when is your highest desire? To even the King David said, this one thing have I desired, and I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep seeking this. I just want to be in his presence. I want to behold his beauty. I want to get his knowledge every day of my life. This one thing, I eliminate all these other things because they ain't work. How is this rich king who now has everything saying, but one thing I desire? And we have to really examine our hearts right now. Could we really say that? Somebody sitting here now hoping you get that job, hoping you get that promotion. Wish you get a better house. Well, Y'all want all them things. 
instead of wanting more of him. He said the Father is seeking such. This word reveals the Father's longing. I'm going to take my time. Father's longing for that relationship. That thing he lost with Adam. He's longing for it to be restored. And down through the ages, everything he's done in the plan of redemption is to bring us back to him. Oh, somebody ought to just praise him right now. Everything God didn't put all, put his son on a cross and let his blood be shed and his body be broken just so you could have a $2 million house and a, and, and, and a big business. If you don't never get it, you still got enough in him. Y'all better hear what I just said. If you don't, if this world don't never pay off the way you think it should, if you, as long as you got him, you got everything. Jesus, help us. Father, hallelujah. God, thank you. Revelations 4 and 11, we started with that on Friday night. Gave us a glimpse into heaven and the worship of heaven. Read it on your own time. It's a beautiful picture as they're bowing down, throwing their crowns down, declaring worthy, worthy are you. But then they said, for thou hast created all things, and for your pleasure they were created. So you're only, I wouldn't care how you got here. I don't care if your mama was raped. I wouldn't care if it came as a result of incest. If God saw purpose for you to be here, hallelujah, the abortion knife didn't end your life. Y'all better hear what I'm saying. Because he wanted pleasure in you. He wanted pleasure in you. And so when I come to the conclusion of this weekend, the Lord directed me to the book of Revelation because I like to know. I, I, I don't know. I, I just, when I read that, blessed is the man who reads this. You mean I can be blessed just because I read this? That's, I, I ain't got to give no big offering. I ain't got to fast for 21 days. I just read this. And get blessed. And somewhere we got to not be afraid of the revealing. Of the revealing. Because the purpose of it is to reveal what we can never find out on our own. Oh, y'all just praise God right there. It should not scare you to read that. That God didn't just leave us here ignorant and not aware of what could yet happen. Oh, God, I got to say that again. Because most of us would give anything to just know what we're going to happen next week. Just so you, we, we would like to know what's going to happen next week. What's going to happen next month? But here God want to tell you what's going to happen at the end of the age. He wants you to be aware. So we see here, uh, those of you that have read some of it, the Apostle John uh, was entrusted with revelation. Mm. So he could deliver it to the church. We talked about that Friday night. How the heart of God is his church. His son's bride. His glorious body that he left here in the earth. So he wants us informed if the whole world be ignorant. Why are we ignorant? And they trying to make us think they know everything. Uh, just That's a C-line moment right there. We the ones that got the revelation. 
the knowledge of heaven. They can't touch heaven and get what's up there. We can't. We got access. <laughs> we, we can go up there and get it. Jesus, hallelujah. And so he's, he's, he's giving to John the, this, this revelation uh, of Jesus, but he's also giving him these predictions to, about the last days and the ends of the age. And these are some of the most important events that are going to happen as we near the end. And we are all sensing that we're nearing the end, are we not? We are all sensing that. But God wouldn't have us ignorant. We ain't got to turn on the news to find out what's going on. Read the book and get blessed. And so God, he's revealing things, and he's doing it by his, his, his infinite wisdom, his infinite wisdom and power, things that human knowledge cannot grasp. If foolishness to the minds of men, they can't, they can't comprehend it. But God's spirit is making this known to a man, and then tell the man, write it, put it in a book so they can be blessed because they're going to read it. <laughs> Y'all just come flow. Now, just give God some praise right there. Just give God some praise. Hallelujah. The Bible wants us to know the mind of God. And I've come this weekend to say to you all, we are in a significant time of realignment. That's what I'm hearing the Lord say. There's a need to realign the body. We all know what chiropractors do in the natural. And there are many bodies that are out of alignment that don't even know it until somebody skilled enough can tell them that your body is out of alignment. How much more the wisdom of God to say the body is out of alignment but I'm skillful enough to realign it. Y'all need to hear this right now. Because God is speaking especially to this body, to this, this, these young leaders. And, and what the Lord said, and I think I said it earlier, he said, you all are young enough to make the shift. You're, you're young enough in your ministries to make the shift. See, many inherited ministries and traditions just like this woman at the well and didn't question nothing. That's the way my daddy did it. That's the way I done seen it done for years. So that's the way we going to do it. Y'all know it. But God is getting ready to shift something in this region. And he's going to use, hallelujah, I call y'all like David's three men. Uh-huh. God's getting ready to do something. Uh, with you all because there's a need to realign his body. And so in order to accomplish that, he's got to have leaders who are ready to be realigned with God. Who can I say? I speak to you, pastors. Get back in line with God. Don't take your cues from this world and no other human that you think is successful. You got to learn how to eat the fish and spit out the bone. You might listen to them for a minute and get a little something. You better know what you got was God. Something ought to bear witness in your spirit. And when your spirit starts flashing a red light, caution, bone, 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 shut it down. I wouldn't care how many thousands are, are up praising. Shut it down. I thank God. I don't know if she's listening. My spiritual mother taught me that a lot. She said, Alice, listen to your born-again spirit, okay? When your born-again spirit speaks, obey it. 
obey it, okay? She said, you really probably heard him the first time and said you tried to figure it out, and that's why you got confused. First thing God said, you heard him, but you tried to reason it. Then you went and shared it with two or three other ignorant people and tried to figure it out. Amen? And so we just say today, our hour has come, and now is. Our hour has come. We're going to give the Father what he wants. <laughs> We're going to give the Father what he's been seeking for. He wants worshipers. He wants worshipers. He don't want big cathedrals. He don't want social programs. I'm not saying that some of these things may not happen in the course. But it ought to be added things. It ought not to be the focus. So today, turn with me to Revelation 11. Revelation 11. Verse 1 and 2. A reed. A reed as a measuring rod was given to me. Shaped like a staff. For us, it would be like a ruler. And I was told, rise up and measure the sanctuary of God and the altar of incense and number those who worship. The King James says, and measure the worshipers. Measure the temple, the sanctuary, measure the altars, and measure the worshipers. Mm. When I looked at this, I thought about those that's three dimensions. Three dimensions. He said, I need you, John, to measure my, my sanctuary. Y'all better hear this in it. We're talking about real. He said, the time is coming. Well, God is going to start to measure. He's going to start to look intently into what is supposed to be his. I'm gonna, it's supposed to be his. But now I'm going to have to measure it to see if it meets the dimensions. I got really excited because I thought about y'all's ministry name, New Dimensions. That God wants to set another measurement that has been ignored. He ain't, he's not necessarily doing away with it, but people ain't measuring no more. Let me keep going. They're not measuring no more. And so we have to first of all understand that dimensions, measurements are extremely important to God. They're extremely important to God. Go with me to the book of Exodus. We go back. The book of Exodus. And we're going to look at the 25th chapter here. Exodus 25, beginning in verse 1. This is after they have come out of Egypt, come out of bondage. That's after you get saved and now you, you go into church. But God ain't through with your Red Sea experience. It didn't stop at you just got saved. Now he's ready for you to understand lordship. See, a lot of folk, he's just savior. He ain't lord. He ain't lord. Because now as lord, he sets the dimensions. Woo! 
He sets the dimensions. So let's just look at this. Exodus 25, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites that they take for me an offering of every man who gives it willingly and ungrudgingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. I just want to stop, put a pin there. Do you all understand? While we shouting about the spoil that they came out with, God had a plan for every diamond nickel of it. See, we, we, we just, oh, honey, yeah, girl, we're coming out with the spoil. They're going to have to give it all back. Yeah, but it ain't yours to put in your pocket. God had a plan. He had a plan. And so he says to them, I want you to take this offering. Can we just shout about an offering? Can we really? God has a right to ask for your money. It belongs to He has a right to ask for it. He gave you the breath, the strength, and the ability to go to a job and get it. If he wants it, you ought to give it up. Ain't nobody ought to got to promise you all these false prophecies and lie and prophet lie over you to get you to give up something that don't even belong to you. Because as David said, of thine own do I give to you. Okay, but he says, listen, and let him do it willingly and ungrudgingly with his heart. You should take my offering. You hear how he said that? Take, take my offering. And then verse. Hallelujah. This is the offering. Listen, he's very descriptive. And he said, this is the offering you shall receive from them. I just, y'all, y'all can, do y'all love the word like this? He, he tells you, Pastor, go tell them people, I know what's in their pocket. I know what's in their bank account. I know what's in their cash app. I know what they got stashed. Go tell them I want that. Go tell them I want that. I want that. God did not say, oh, give whatever you feel. God understand. Touch the basket. Where do we get that foolishness from? Everybody got something. Everybody got something. If it ain't in monetary form, you still got something that you can give. But he said, this is the offering you shall receive from them. And he goes on to describe it. He said, I want that gold. <laughs> I want that silver. I want that bronze you got. I want the blue cloth you got, the purple cloth you got. Is, is, God, is that detailed or what? I want the red cloth. I want the stuff. Do y'all see that? I want the stuff. I want the fine twin twine linen. I want your goat's hair. I want your ram skin. I want your tan red goat skins. I want the dolphin. I want the purple skins. I want the acai wood. I want the oil you got. I want your spices. I want your sweet incense. I want the onyx stones. Hallelujah. I want them because I need to set them in my ephod. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Do y'all see this? God didn't say, you know, just go take an offering. Whatever they bring you, we'll work with it. I just want to preach this morning. Do y'all understand? And then in verse 8, he makes it very clear why. He says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. 
Otherwise, you're not going to bring me or my presence down into some raggedy, half-done atmosphere and think I ought to be happy about it. So go get your wealth and go get your all the world untold you to invest in. Isn't this something we can let the world tell us what to do with our money and still get caught up in schemes and all kind of perversions, loop people. We got people with millions of dollars and somebody came along and duped them out of it like that. But if we would went and asked them to give it to the church, honey, they'd have thought we was crazy or something, wouldn't they? God said, listen, seek me first. Make me a place. Make me feel like you want me to dwell with you. Make me feel like I'm the priority here. We'll go back to the book of Haggai. He said, you know what? I sent y'all back to build my house. Instead of building my house, you built you one. You built you a house. While my house was still laying in ruins, he said, I'll put holes in your bag. I will make you hungry and you still got food. He said, I'll make you still not be satisfied with what you got because you didn't put me in the position. Oh, it's true. The world got you out here thinking, honey, you deserve this, and, and, and Christian done playing right into it. And yet pastors got to beg for an offering. They got to figure out whether they should work a job or be able to get paid full time. Okay, I'm going to leave that. I'm gonna leave, I, I, it's the truth. They, they want to see us struggle. He said, let them make me a sanctuary. But the, the, the part I want to zero in on with, with all this that God said, verse 9 is the key. And you shall make it according to all that I show you. The pattern of the tabernacle or dwelling and the pattern of all the furniture of it. So what we see here, and for what I understand, that this scripture is considered to be a hallmark scripture in the, in the Jewish Torah. They understand that God is a God of patterns. And so he didn't leave it to some great artistic ability. He didn't leave it to a board to try to sit down and tell God what his dwelling place ought to look like. He didn't leave it to some skilled architect to come in. And design something and say, oh, well, you know, I built a church over here in Washington like this. And I built a church down in Mississippi like this. And, and this is the style of churches now. And this is how you need to have things. This is what will make people feel comfortable. And then you can use it for other things. In the no, God did not, did not leave it in the minds of men. Although man is creative, man is not the creator. And that needs to be kept first in our minds. God allows us creativity, but we are not the creator. And when it comes to the place where he's going to dwell and house his presence, he didn't leave it up to your ideals. God, I could just praise you right now. He did not leave it up to you and your preference as to how his sanctuary should be. He said, make it according to pattern. Go to the 40th verse right there in Exodus. And what does it end, what does it end with? And see to it that you copy exactly their pattern which was shown you on the mountain. He said, see to it that you copy exactly. 
the pattern that I showed you on the mountain. You can go from the 25th chapter all the way through, and you talk about dimensions and measurements and specifics. Most of us bogged down even reading the Bible through in the year because Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers will wear you out with detail. It's like, how many times you going repeat this, God? He said, enough times till you get it. Till you get it. I just didn't leave them to figure it out. I gave them specific details. And so we have to see that God has a right now to come back and measure. Going back to Revelation 11. God is a God of order and God is a God of standards. Can somebody just praise God with me right now? And, and, and I don't know why the Spirit keeps unctioning me like this, but somewhere I'm, I'm believing the Holy Spirit is sending some truth into your spirit. God is a God of order, and we have been too raggedy with our God. We have been too careless with our God. We have allowed everything and anything to take place in the dwelling place of God and still want his presence. Most of us, I'd like to think, wouldn't grow, go and crawl up in a nasty bed that we don't know who had been in there and what they was doing. But we want God's presence to just be satisfied with anything. We come in raggedy. We come in wrong. We come in late. We come in, our mind ain't even on him. We come in texting, talking. No respect, no order. There's a re oh, help me, Lord. God help. Do you understand anything that's governmental has order? You are not going to walk up in a governmental office. You're not going to walk into a courtroom. You're not going to walk into Congress, hallelujah, and just do anything. Let me just help y'all. And I know this might offend some of y'all, but you know the church went and took on this dressed down attitude. But I promise you, when Congress, when those who are legislating this nation come together, ain't a pair of raggedy jeans up in there. Amen. They put on suits, shirts and ties because they represent government. They represent authority. When a judge is officiating on his bench, he can have jeans on underneath. But before he sits on that bench and legislate, he puts a robe on. Hallelujah. Because that robe is like a mantle. Recognize the judges on the bench. And we've tried to erase every standard, every measurement, and everything from the church to make flesh comfortable. So, oh, no, you ain't got to dress up to come to church. No, maybe you don't outwardly. But what you do outwardly is usually indicative of what's inside of you. I don't care what nobody say. Some of the, the Bible says in Jeremiah, ask for the old ways to go back. Listen, I ain't putting nobody down about their wardrobes and things. But you know what? There was a time when Sundays was honored. There was a time. Of, listen, I was raised to know my Sunday clothes couldn't be wore through the week. And the shoes. Better not put your Sunday shoes on. But there was some kind of reverence that came to your mind because now it's Sunday. And we getting ready to go to the house of the Lord. And so now everything about me must come to bear upon who it is I'm going to see. And so why have we felt this need to adjust God's sanctuary to make man feel comfortable with him? Thank you, Pastor. I heard that. We've allowed this seeker-friendly lie. 
Because we done forgot who the real seeker is. And we talking about they need to try. They trying to seek God, but we ain't even presenting God to them no more. We trying to let them think that God's on the same level they are. There ought to be fear in his presence. There ought to be fear in his sanctuary. There ought to be a holy reverence. God, I mean, my husband and I used to sit and talk about that. I grew up in the day when the church doors wasn't locked, and we used to go just open the door and look. My husband, a little rogue growing up, talking about, you know, they'd be robbing cars and stuff. He said, when we get up to a car door and there'd be a Bible on the back, he said, man, don't touch that car. You see that Bible? You see that Bible? Don't touch that car. That was holy reverence. That was holy fear. As wicked as their minds were, they had a sense that God was God. That's because we were raised to honor God. But we got a generation that can twerk and bump in the club and twerk and bump in the church. And we provide the same atmosphere in the church that they have in the club. So they don't have to have no knowledge and reverence for God because they can feel good in either atmosphere. I don't care whether nobody like me, accept me, or believe me. God's called me to be a clarion call in these last days. He's called me to cry aloud and spare not. And folks, blood ain't going to be on my hand because I wouldn't tell the truth to the church. The apostle John said I was exiled on the Isle of Papas for the word's sake. For the word's sake. For the word's sake. God is a God of order. God is a God of standards. God is a God of patterns. He didn't say, Moses, go, tell, go build the kind of church you think you like. You know, this is, you know, Moses, what you feel about the church? He didn't consult with him. He made that man sit there and listen to every cubic inch, socket, every color, how it's supposed to be. And yet we just think it's all left up to me. You know, we just want everybody. I read one day that this man said he built a church and he let the children draw on the walls because he wanted kids to feel comfortable. I thought I wouldn't have sat two minutes under his ministry because I don't know our mama or daddy to let you draw on the wall so you can feel comfortable to live in their house. Matter of fact, most of our first good beats is because we draw on the walls, okay? That was your mama. I don't care how broke down it might have been, what it looked like, honey. You was not writing on the walls of their house. But this is where we, we, we've allowed children to run our home and sinners to run the church. Help us, Holy Ghost. Amen. God is a God of standards. God is a God of patterns. Hallelujah. Because spiritual things are not left to human preference. Spiritual activity is not left to human preference. Folks done left churches because, you know, I just don't like the way they do this. And I'm going to go start my own church. Do it the way I want to do it. Mm -mm -mm. A failure. To regard order is deadly and dangerous. Go back and read. When David was trying to get the presence back, bringing the ark back, and, and, and it was out of ignorance as far as David was concerned. He consulted with the leaders. <laughs> well, what do you all think? How, do you, how, do, how can we do this? And once they all thought they had come to agreement, it looked like a glorious event, didn't it? All the sound, everything. It looked like it was, it just looked, it looked like it was going on. Till God interrupted it. And he interrupted it and brought death and destruction. And at first, David was so messed up. He, he, was, he was messed up because he's like, what, what, what in the world did, did, what did I do? 
Pastor, we was talking about this right now. I said, because what David had to understand that what he was handling was dangerous. We don't want to see God as dangerous. Oh, he's just a sweet little Santa Claus sugar daddy. He just loves you in your mess. No, he's holy. He's holy. He's to be feared and reverenced. And so David just thought his mind, his way of doing it. We know what happened. A man lost his life. But I think I said that to y'all, ain't it wonderful? God didn't kill David. But David had to go back and study the scriptures. And, 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 and I'm going to speak to you young pastors because I know what the push is in the spirit that you're always trying to get the message for Sunday. Get the message for Sunday. Trying to figure out what to preach to people to help them feel good or whatever. Mm -mm. Get in his presence. Get, get in his presence. Study the patterns. And then establish the patterns. And he'll come. When Moses got through the Shekinah. The Shekinah. See, we, we, we wonder why his presence there. Because we didn't consult him about the patterns. We haven't asked him, well, how do you want this ministry? You know, this is how I think ministry ought to be. Who asked you? God has already established a pattern. Y'all right here. Y'all right here today. Amen. A man lost his life for his disregard for order. When we go back and look at the book of Ezekiel, and we see that after 70 years, let me tell you something. God don't mind tearing up something that don't fulfill its purpose. He's torn the temple up multiple times. The people of God were in captivity for 70 years. And as they got ready to come back out of captivity, we, if y'all go read the book of Ezekiel, I know people are scared of that book too, but if you go read that, it was an indictment against the temple, the priesthood, the activities of the church. That wasn't against the people that didn't know. It was the people that were supposed to know. That were not. That, have y'all ever read that book? How he, after he got them over in captivity, he took Ezekiel back and said, let me just bore a hole in the temple and show you what they're doing behind closed doors. Let me show you what the leaders are doing. Let me show. Why do we have all this sin and perversion in the body of Christ? Why can't the body, of, why can't leaders require people to live holy? Because they don't let God require them. Well, I just said something right there. They don't let God require them to live holy. So the looser they live, the looser they let the people live. And that's why people are uncomfortable with true apostles. Because true apostles uphold a standard and we ain't wavering it, shaving it, or doing nothing else to make you feel comfortable. We're not trying to get a, great, a big honorarium. We're not trying to make sure we stay in your favor. We're just obeying God. We're just obeying God. And so when he told Ezekiel, he, he let Ezekiel see his glory depart. He said, let me show you. I'm backing out of the temple. I'm, and God's glory done left a whole lot of places, y'all. Ain't, ain't even there. It's not even there. But you would be deceived by the appearance. Because the devil can bless you, too. The devil can make you look successful. Y'all better go back and look at some of these celebrities that were born to worship God. But they sold their gifts. They sold their gifts to the world. And when the world was through with them, threw them away like a rag. Threw them away like a rag. I'm, I'm going to move on. I ain't going to be much longer. But he said to Ezekiel, when y'all go back now, show the house to the house. 
show the house to the house and make sure that they build according to pattern. I, I, I got to read that because there's something very specific in that Ezekiel 43. Ezekiel 43. Um, hmm. Verse 7, I'm going to start at 6. <laughs> and I heard one speaking to me out of the temple, and a man stood by me. And he, the Lord, said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. And my holy name, the house of Israel, shall no more profane. Neither they nor their kings by their idolatrous harlotry, nor by the dead bodies and monuments of their kings. By setting their threshold by my thresholds and their doorposts by my doorposts with a mere wall between me and them. Do y'all hear what God is saying? He said, they, they defiled my house. They have profaned my holy name by their abominations which they have committed. Therefore, I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put away their idols or their idolatrous harlotry and the dead bodies and monuments of their kings far from me, and I will dwell in their midst forever. What is it that we need to put away? What is it that we're willing to put away? What do we want to release in exchange for the presence of God? And verse 10, and you, son of man, show the temple by your description of it to the house of Israel that they may be ashamed of their iniquities and let them measure accurately its appearances and plan. And if they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the form of the temple and the arrangement of it. Make known its exits and its entrances and the whole form of it and all of its ordinances and all of their forms and all of its laws. And write it down in their sight so that they may keep the whole form of it and all the ordinances of it and do them. This is the law of the house of the Lord, the whole area round about on the top of the mountain. Mount Moriah shall be most holy, separated, and set apart. Behold, this is the law of the house of the Lord. Why are we afraid to make God's house his house? Why do we feel that we can't sanctify God's house and set it apart for him? Why do we feel we have to allow everything the world has to come into what's supposed to be for God and then still want God to be pleased with it. I, I know this ain't no high five, you know, slap your neighbor's hand, turn around, God going to do it. Moving right on. Going back to Revelation 12, he said, measure the temple. Measure the temple. I think I spoke to you all the other night. The temple where? The temple in heaven should reveal the temple on the earth. Let me just say, and I don't know now if I'll get to read all that, Pastor Jay. Some of y'all got that prophet dictionary. Go home, take the time to read the definition of a temple. Because first of all, God is illegal in the earth realm without a temple. See, we don't understand spiritual things, but no God can rightly operate in the spirit realm without a manifested temple in the earth realm. 
So this is why you see the Muslims build their temples, uh, the Jehovah Witnesses build their temples, uh, all of that. They, they, they build these, these shrines and things because they're acknowledging that the God in the spirit is the God in the earth for them. We just build anything. And then let me just say this because I know first rebuttal comes. Well, aren't we the temple? Yes, but God is a God, a triune God. God operates in threes. And so the pattern in the heaven should be the pattern in the earth, should be the pattern in the spirit in us. They should all be lined up together, and our hearts are the ark, the symbol of his presence. That's where the circumcision has to take place because now the ark has to carry the word. The ark has to carry the spirit. The ark has to carry the presence. And the same thing that's happening in the heavens when we gather ought to happen in the earth so it can keep happening in us. Did y'all hear what I just said? Do you have to? It's all supposed to line up together. How can you say I'm worshiping the God of heaven and live like hell on earth and live nasty and raggedy and drag God's temple into any and everything if you wouldn't do it in heaven? Yeah, go on, babe. Give him some praise. How have we defiled what's supposed to be the replica of heaven? Because we defiled the replica on earth. Because if God saw fit for the first thing to give Israel was a temple, as a tabernacle, so they could learn the patterns of God. He didn't give them them houses and land and goodly vineyards. He didn't give them all that. He gave them a tabernacle because their first need was to be delivered from the demonic worship of Egypt to come into the holy worship of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You don't need a moon God, a sun God, a fertility God, a God of rain. You don't need all them other gods. You just need to learn how to worship the true God and do it with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. If you learn to worship him, it's like seek ye first the kingdom of God. I'll add these other things to you. I said, young leaders are tired and frustrated because the Christendom has dominated you with a lie. So the first thing he says to John, he said, I'm going to measure the temple. Y'all better hear what God, I know what God said to me in sending this final message. He said, y'all better get ready because I believe the measuring line is in the earth right now. God is measuring. God, God is measuring. He, I know we're thinking it's all success and, 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 and prosperity and all that. Hallelujah. But God, by his spirit, is measuring his temple. He's measuring his temple to see is it living up, living up to the measurements. Does this temple still look like a place where I'm supposed to dwell? Could God walk in to our services and disrupt our nicely organized plan for service. Could we just walk in the door singing Revelation 19? Hallelujah! Salvation! No, we come and sit and wait for the praise team. And then we don't like them or we jealous of them. 
So we sitting there with an attitude. We ain't going to sing with that song. We don't, we don't like that song. But why she look like that? It's the truth, you all. Let's quit lying to ourselves because we sure ain't lying to God. Because our focus is not on his presence. Our focus is on us. And we don't know how to come into his presence. He said, I'm, I'm getting ready to measure. I'm telling you all. I'm getting ready to measure. God said, I'm getting ready to measure the temple, y'all. It's the measurements of God are in the earth right now. God's looking at a whole lot of things, and he's writing Ichabod on them now. Even right now. Even right now. Y'all better go in your spare time. Go back and read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Read it. Read it. I ain't going to go into all of it. But he said, relative to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Messiah and our gathering together to meet him, don't allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed. But he goes on to tell him what the last days are going to look like. And he said, uh, don't let no one deceive you or beguile you in any way. For that day will not come except the apostasy comes first. That is, unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come. And the man of lawlessness is revealed who is the son of doom and of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and instantly against and over all that is called God or that is worshipped, even to his actually taking his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming that he himself is God. This is the book, y'all. I know this is maybe not normal, but when well, apostle comes in, it ain't normal. Y'all read the book. Paul preached till midnight, and folk fell out the window. He raised them back up and kept on preaching. Because we need it. We're needed. We're not reading these scriptures. These scriptures are not being preached in totality and understanding. He said, listen, the coming of the Lord will be preceded by apostasy. Not sinners. It will be Christians who once professed God are going to be deceived and do. They're going to have a form of godliness, but going to deny the power. They're going to have itching ears heaping to themselves. Teachers preaching it, teaching it the way it appeals to them. And he said the ultimate fulfillment will be that spirit will take its place in the temple. Do you know that that's what Satan hates? Let me just help y'all. Satan does not hate business, your business. Or not. He hates God. And he hates anybody that loves God. He hates anybody that's seeking to live for God. He hates your worship. He hates your praise because he can't do it no more. He can never do it again. And so he comes to pervert that. And just what this said, he won't be satisfied. He ain't sitting in the bar. He ain't sitting in the club. He ain't sitting in nothing. He wants to sit in the temple. He wants to exalt himself as God. He wants you to worship him just like he said to Jesus. Bow down and give me what you give to God. Give me some music, baby. Y'all better know, Satan as heaven's worshiper, heaven's musician, lost position, but did not lose anointing. I just said something. Satan did not lose anointing. Satan's capacity for music did not leave him. His position was removed. And now he's in the earth taking that anointing and deceiving people with it. Because it's proven anything you want to move people with, do it with musical accompaniment. 
They study music to play in the grocery to make you shop longer. They study music in the restaurant depending on the type of food and how long they want you to stay. The music at the bar, the music, the jingles behind the commercials. There's not a store you can shop in that they don't have a sound geared to what they're trying to promote. I go in some places, Jan, I said, I can't, this is bothering me. I was in, when we was in one a couple of weeks ago, I said, they was just playing a Christian song, and now they, 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 they was praying a, they mix it all up now. Anything that's mixture ain't pure. Anything that's mixture, the minute you put something else in it, it isn't pure anymore. And the church is embracing mixture. We just feel like any and everything should be allowed. And we're not spending enough time in the presence of God. Let me tell you something. As I said earlier, I was, I was perverted, but I loved music. My God, I used to dance with the broom, honey. I just, I don't know if I got, I used to take the broom, make it my partner, okay? I take the doorknob, honey, and twirl, turn myself around. I loved music. I could be driving down the street, honey, romancing my mind with music. Until music led me into something that I never thought I would fall into. And when the Lord delivered me from that, he literally separated me from my best friends and from my favorite activities because of the music. At first it was difficult because I loved my friends. We shared so much together. And I didn't understand why God was calling me and why did he stop me and not her. Until in my obedience I yielded, he said, because she ain't called to what I called you to. And he said, I called you to be my worshiper. And the devil wants to pervert the very gift that is in you. Your love for music is from me. But I got to teach you the difference between the sounds. Because my gift just made me love music. But I was ignorant to the music that moved me and made me cry. And he had to purify. See, people don't want purification no more. They don't want to be sanctified and set apart. Come out from among them. We don't want God to tell us, turn that music off. I'm going to just help somebody and bust your bubble too. Ain't no Christian jazz. Ain't no Christian rap. I know they don't like to hear that. But just because you put Jesus in it and some scriptural songs does not make it acceptable because they're not rapping in heaven. You better read the book. The word jazz means confusion. That's why you can't never repeat the chords. So now we think because we just stick Jesus on it, somehow Jesus ought to like it. Jesus ought to accept it. And we don't know why we sometimes are powerless. We don't know why sometimes why we still pervert it. Maybe we need to look, examine what we're listening to. What's really going into your ear gates. And in that space of time, God severed me. From every sound that I so loved 
until he could set me up to identify his sound. I take no honor. Listen, you all, I don't consider myself a singer. I never had a goal to to, to produce a CD or whatever. I just fell in love. I was like that woman at the well, y'all. I was that perverted woman. But once I met the man, he made me to know that that I put in you is for me. And anybody that's been around me any length of time will tell you I won't tolerate defilement in my spirit. I won't. For the sake of my children, for the sake of my family, there's certain things I won't listen to and I won't engage in because I treasure this gift is for him. This gift is for him. He can measure my temple. He can measure my temple. I'm, 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 I'm about to close you all. I'm about to close here. But then when you look at that, he said measure the temple and measure the altar. Measure the altar. That altar is full of idols. That altar got some of everything. That's why it's hard for you to get in his presence sometimes. You got issues on the altar. You got hurts on the altar. You got pain on the altar. You got lack on the altar. You got confusion on the altar. He said, measure the altar. Clean up the altar. I heard that old song. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your all does the spirit control. You may long for sweet peace and for faith to increase. You have earned us leave fervently prayed. But you cannot be blessed and find peace and sweet rest. Till you're all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. Only be blessed and find peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. See, that's why he says, speak to another, one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Hymns are necessary in the church because they are eternal truths set to music. I know we want to holler old school. But these songs don't wait for the billboard to determine their value. These songs ring out in eternity throughout the ages. And so God said, I'm coming to measure the altar again. I'm coming to measure your heart. I'm going to examine. I know where the idols are. I know where the darkness is. I know where the perversion is. And I'm going to clean the altars again. 
I'm going to clean the altars again. We have to understand that sacrifice was an essential act of worship. We still talking about that? Amen. It's an essential act of worship. And the first mention of worship in the book of Genesis chapter 22 was God telling Moses, go up on the mountain and prepare me a sacrifice. That is, if you read your Bible, that's the first time you read the word worship. First mentions are always necessary. Because what he asked for was the very thing what Abraham had longed for. Oh, what a Jesus. The very thing that he had promised and spoken. The thing he had remained faithful for 25 years. Believing God. Now he's got it and enjoying it. And God said, I want it. What are we holding that God can't have? What means so much to us when God want to put his hand on it, we draw back from it? Abraham would have had every reason to say, not Isaac. Not Isaac. I gave you Ishmael. But you want my Isaac? What am I going to say to Sarah? He didn't even consult her. I said something. I said he didn't consult her because he knew she couldn't handle what God asked for. A whole lot of men, I'm just going there, a whole lot of men struggling with their obedience to God because they're trying to keep a woman happy. And she don't even know that she'll never be happy until he's obedient. She don't know. She don't mean no harm. But she can't be happy till he's obedient. Go on, praise him, Pastor. He said, take. And he was so specific. He said, take Isaac, your only son, whom thou lovest. <laughs> he described, take your only son whom you love and put him on the altar. And Abraham turned around and told him, he said, me and, me, me and the lad going to worship. <laughs> See, we talking about worship, y'all. Me and the lad going to worship. We'll be back. Never knowing. Never knowing. Put the boy on the altar. Y'all know the story. Raise the knife. And only at that point, God said, now I know that you are a worshiper. Now I know I got the altar of your heart. Now I know that nothing means more to you than obeying me. I'll give you everything now. Because what I give you will never take your love from me. See, some things God ain't gave us because we ain't, it'll, it'll mess us up. It'll mess us up in our relationship with God. And then that final one, he said, Listen, measure the temple, measure the altar, and then measure the worshipers. <laughs> Would you see that right there? He said, go to the temple. Examine and measure the temple. And then measure the altar. And then measure the worshipers. That becomes an individual thing. I think we talked about, I don't know which night it was, all these activities can go on and no worship is taking place. 
all the lights, the screens, the smoke, the sounds, the instruments, and true worship is never taking place. And so God said, I don't want you to measure the worship. I want you to measure the worshipers. I want you to measure the worshipers because that's what I desire. True, true worshipers. Not those who know the right lyrics and songs and moves, but those whose hearts and lives have been sanctified and purified. <laughs> the measure is necessary. Y'all hear this? The measure is necessary for preservation. Let's just clap our hands. God's not measuring right now to destroy us. God's measuring to protect us in this hour from the deception. And I speak prophetically measurement. And I would say God has allowed me to become the reed in this gathering this weekend to measure, to bring the adjustments into you all's lives that are necessary to protect you from the destruction that's going to come. Y'all can get on y'all's feet and praise God. That God will love you enough not to entertain you, but to measure you, to examine you, to put you on the scales and weigh you, to expose you, keep you from destruction. The measurement is necessary to preserve what is sacred. What is sacred is at risk of being lost, y'all. It's at risk right now. It's at risk. But they're throwing it out everywhere we turn. Come on, y'all. While we want to get all hung up about homosexuality, we was throwing away sacredness long before it got that movement got bold enough. When we didn't have enough guts to get that homosexual off of your organ and quit directing your choir and be willing to just sing his praise if we didn't have no music. We tolerated all kind of perversion in the church just so we could look good. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, get your mind and your mouth off of this pandemic. It's a perversion, a distraction. I don't have no issue. I ain't trying to say nothing. Do what you got to do. I got the shots. I got the vaccine because greater is he that is in me that is in the world. I will give no place to the enemy. I wouldn't care what no. I don't listen to so much craziness about this. But first of all, I ain't scared of death. The main issue, I ain't scared to die. It's a win-win for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. And if this be the method of my transition, I'm going to be in the Father's glory. My responsibility is to live holy and live ready. Live holy and live ready. I wouldn't care if the airplane dropped out of the sky, a drunk driver run through the intersection. I accidentally take the wrong medicine. Hallelujah. I'm still safe in the Father's hands. We've allowed Satan to give us a dose of fear. A dose of fear. Everything, we, listen, do y'all see how many recalls we have?
onions ain't safe. Every time you turn around, it's a recall on the meat and a recall on the salad and a recall. That's why Jesus said, just pray over the stuff. <laughs> if you eat any deadly thing, it's just, where is our faith? Do y'all understand what I'm saying? I know that they don't put the numbers in our face. I pray some of them numbers went on to glory, y'all. They in a much better place than we are. And then that didn't should have been ready. I bet they got a chance to hear the gospel before he took them. We got too much kingdom business on the calendar to be trying to decide whether we going to church or not. Oh, God, did you really want me to say that? He said, yeah. And some of y'all done took advantage of this streaming. Because though you wouldn't come to church, you'll get them to go to that job tomorrow. You'll walk up in Walmart. You'll be at the mall, at the restaurant. I'm sitting on the airplane. It's packed. I mean, ain't nobody scared to get on here. And it could fall out the sky. This is a major distraction, y'all. God is still on the throne. Pandemic ain't took him by surprise. God has dealt with plagues throughout the nations. He'd kill off 30, 40,000 people and never blink, never blink. It's time for us to live like we sang earlier. We the redeemed. No evil befall us. No plague come nigh our dwelling. And yet we say like the Hebrew boys, and if it be so, and if it be so, that he don't move in the way that we pray. Be it known to you, O King, we're not going to bow. Okay? I don't know about you all. When it first came out in 2020 and I heard about it, all I said was, God, let me die loving you. If, if, for, I did. I, see, see, ooh, I'm going to close. Some things we settle before we get in the battle. When I realize, God, there's a potential that I could get it then let me decide how I'm going to handle it. If for some reason I wind up on a ventilator, gasping, let me breathe out your praise. Let me know that my hour has come to be in your presence. I don't want to fear no evil for thou art with me. So if that's the way, have y'all ever considered that unless Jesus come, death is the only transition to glory? How are we going to go? You want cancer to do it? You want a runaway car to do it? A straight bullet to do it? It's happening. A fire to do it? I mean, come on. But bottom line, it's just a transition. Now we absent. Now we present. We absent from the body, present with the Lord. Oh, y'all to just praise God right there. Y'all to put this pandemic issue down. We're trying to figure out if it's conspiracy and, and who developed it in the back room and injected it into the nation. They ain't done nothing that God didn't let them, allow them to do, if he allowed them to do it like that. Do y'all believe that today? I love you all. Let me let, let, just sit down about, about, about five more minutes because this part is important. I know. I don't need it. 
But y'all read that second verse. Y'all read that second verse. Put that second verse up there. Chapter 11. That second verse. This is really important, y'all. But leave out of your measuring the court outside the sanctuary of God. Omit it, for it is given over to the Gentiles, and they will trample the holy city underfoot for 42 months, three and one half years. After the Lord said, measure my temple and measure the sanctuary, I mean measure the, the altar and measure the worshipers, he said, but don't even bother to measure the outer court or the inner court. He said, because it's been given over to the Gentiles. Because what's getting ready to come up on the earth, outer court saints won't endure. And even inner court, because they just like to. Yeah, that's God. He said, don't even, don't even measure them. Now, remember yesterday we talked about rebuilding David's fallen tabernacle. Why? Because David's fallen tabernacle was the holy of holies. Wasn't no outer court and wasn't no inner court. What we have to understand that in the rebuilding of the temple in the days of King Herod, he added the outer courts so the Gentiles could worship their pagan gods. Help us, Holy Ghost. He, he, he added the outer courts to be inclusive. And we battling the spirit of inclusion. We battling the spirit of inclusion because we say, okay, we don't mind y'all worshiping, but let them worship too. What did we think we would come to a day that we would see churches led by homosexuals and their partners. I know this is on the internet. Everybody's inclusive. Come on in. You don't, you don't have to love Jesus just like God. All these people claiming they know God, love God, but ain't nobody calling on the name of Jesus. And so now it's just, can't we just all be together? I don't care what religion you are. You can worship a rock. Yeah, you do it the way you feel like doing it. He said, when I get ready to measure, I ain't even bound with them. I ain't even trying to bother them. And so we've got to be careful about what wants to be included. <laughs> we ain't hating nobody, y'all. We love people. We hate sin. We love people, but we hate sin. But we love you enough to tell you the truth about yourself. We love you enough not to leave you like you are. We love you enough to say, no, you was not created a man. You were created a woman. He said, I'm going to destroy the outer court. Come from me. It's going to be holy of holies or nothing at all. Because God is a holy God. I'm, I'm, I'm through. I was to speak to you all. Uh, God loves what has happened this weekend. Stand up, men of God, men and women of God. I'm speaking specifically, I'm sorry, to the pastors. Y'all know, come on, Pastor Rob. Y'all know.
what God did in each of you all's hearts. I, I don't know it all. What y'all have gone home and shared in the bedroom together concerning this weekend. This was a sovereign move and plan of God. It ain't happening like this everywhere. The healing, the restoration, the forgiveness, all that took place over this weekend, that don't normally happen because there's not enough presence for God to accomplish what he wants to do. There's not enough of his spirit. I said this to you all at the end yesterday. Guard this. Guard it with all of your heart. I heard the words as I was bathing this morning from 2 Peter, read it on your own. Toward the end, he says, seeing that all these things are going to take place, what manner of persons ought you to be? And that's what you've got to decide. Lord, with all that's going on, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to do? I don't care who don't understand, who don't agree. What is that you're saying to me? I want to say to you all, work to agree with each other. Work to agree with each other. Open the Bible together. You hear me? Y'all, don't be so, you know, just always preach to the people. No, preach to one another. The Bible said, they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and a book of remembrance was written. Measure one another. If y'all really going to be brothers and sisters in the Lord, measure. Somebody get off. Hey, brother, you off right there. Some of these leaders should have never fallen because they weren't rightly covered or connected. You all are valuable and yet you're vulnerable. Because y'all working in a society that has not been experienced before. And everything in it is arrayed against the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. But this is why God gives apostles and prophets. For the building up, for the strengthening. I commit to you all in love. I commit to you all in service. I thank you for how you all have honored me, respected me. I have not known as much liberty of the spirit in some time. This is precious. Treasure it. Live in it. Walk in it. Seek it. Because the hour has come. And now is the Father's looking for worshipers. Let's just worship God. Lord, we worship.